This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We gather each and every Sunday to come and give praise and worship to our living Lord Jesus, who suffered, died, and rose on the third day, and who will come again. And so each Sunday we come because this is the day of resurrection. We come to celebrate a living Lord. And then Monday comes, right? And then Tuesday. And then kind of the rest of the week. And we have a routine that we get into in the rest of the week, right? Sunday's done. Okay, Monday, Tuesday. And sometimes, by the way, routines can be very beneficial. But oftentimes, routines can dull our senses a bit. It even happens with Sunday. Even Sunday becomes just a routine, something that we do. You know, people go, oh, yeah, right, right. I got to get up tomorrow. It's Sunday. I probably should go to church, but man, it's been so long. Couldn't I just sleep in a little bit? So I found something uh, on Facebook, Pastor Don Lawrence. I don't know if you know him. Retired pastor from Christ Church. And uh, I've seen this before, but he posted it this past week. So I thought I'd show you. It says this, go to church this Sunday. If Jesus can rise from the dead, you can rise from bed. Right, right. And he said, could I get some amens? And I, you know, I put my amen on that. But I thought, you know what? If this is what it's come to, if this is what we have to refer to to get people to praise Jesus as a living, risen Lord, that's a pretty sad state of affairs, isn't it? I mean, is that the summation of our spiritual life? If Jesus really is the Son of God who lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should die, if he really brought the gospel of peace, which is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, if he really is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, at the very throne of God, if he is the lion of the tribe of Judah who will come again to judge the both living and the dead, which is what we just confessed a little earlier, he comes to judge the living and the dead, and some will be to eternal condemnation, and some will be to eternal salvation and life with him. If he really is the Alpha and the Omega, who by his very word brought the universe into existence, shouldn't we be asking, now what? Now how am I to serve a living God? Shouldn't that be it? You see, how are we to live and serve our God? We should have this question Now what? He is risen. Now what? And that question, now what, should be a call to action, not a call to be passive. Remember, now what was the question on the disciples' mind, wasn't it? For three years, they had journeyed with Jesus. They had lived with them. He had taught them. They saw all the miracles they did. And then they thought their journey had come to an end because now he had been crucified and died, and they thought that was it. But then he rose from the dead, and he came to visit him, not once, 
but twice. The first time on the day of his resurrection, in that evening, and then eight days later, so Thomas, the twin, could see him as well. So the, the journey seemed to be going on, but they were quite unsure. What was this journey going to be? Now what was on the tip of their tongue? John chapter 20 ends this way. Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. That's how the chapter ends. And in many ways, it seems like that would be the end of the gospel of John. That would be the right place to end it. So Jesus come a second time. He has spoken these words to Thomas and the disciples. And then he was gone. And here's, here's in my mind what I see happening. I see all of the disciples turning to Peter and kind of going, now what? And Peter kind of going, I don't know. He told us to go to Galilee. Let's go to Galilee. And so they went to Galilee. It was a journey for them, right? They're, they're still continuing this journey with Jesus. So you and I are going to take a little journey this morning with the disciples. And it is a three-part journey here. And it is this, into our darkness comes the light of the risen Christ. And we recognize and rejoice in him as our living Lord. So this is the journey you and I are going to go on with the disciples. The first journey, though, starts in darkness, in our darkness. John chapter 21, starting with verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out into the boat that night. They caught nothing. So they've gone to the Sea of Galilee, Tiberias being another name for the Sea of Galilee. And they did just as Jesus told them. They were gathered, probably wondering what to do. And by the way, Peter is the unofficial leader here of this group. And they probably asked him several times, Peter, what are we going to do? What are we to do? Now, Peter, being more of a man of action, was probably bothered by that. My guess is he was probably impatient, pacing back and forth a little bit. But you have to remember, there was something very unresolved with Peter at this time. Because what had Peter done on the night in which Jesus was betrayed? He denied him three times, right? So he has all of this weight, all of this guilt, and now he has to wait. And he was probably anxious about that. And it was difficult to wait, pacing back and forth. And sometimes, rather than just waiting, you want to do something, right? So probably more in frustration, he just says, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. Doing something is better than waiting, even if it's waiting for the Lord. How many of you like to wait? 
No hands went up. None of us really like to wait, do we? We get impatient and our mind goes into overdrive. Have you ever had this happen? So you're supposed to pick somebody up. You know, you're, you're the designated driver. You're supposed to go pick them up and you arrive and five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes go by. And especially before the days of cell phones, right? You're like, what's going on here? Have you ever thought, well, I wonder if I should check the hospitals, right? And half hour goes by. Have you ever started to plan the funeral? I mean, some people do that, right? Your mind just goes into overdrive with doubt and fear and worry. Nowadays, we text back and forth, and it's even worse because if they don't answer the text, then we get even more worried about that. Look, a lot of us in our darkness, in our doubt and faith, our doubt of faith, waiting's really hard. And we get a lot of stuff that starts to nag us. We want the light of day. We want to hear the word of the Lord. But it's hard. And so we want to distract ourselves by doing stuff rather than actually just waiting upon the Lord. And so here's the question for you this morning. Are you now in a time of darkness and a time of silence? Do your doubts and fears nag at you? Do you want to just quit? Maybe for you, maybe for family, friends, loved ones, this whole journey of faith, it's like, yeah, you just want to quit. You know, you read the Bible, you pray, but it seems kind of empty somehow. You text God. This is how we text God. We go by various Bible verses and we just read those over and over and over and over. It's like texting God in a way. But at some point, some of us, we just throw up our hands and say, enough, I'm going to go fishing. I don't know if God wants me to do this action. I don't know if God wants me to go here. But look, doing something is better than just waiting upon the Lord. How well does that work? Generally doesn't work very well, does it? Just action for action's sake. So here for the disciples, they hadn't learned this profound truth that apart from Christ, they can do nothing. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. For some people, being a Christian is just this thing you do. But it, it's not a living faith. And you try to live your life apart from the risen Lord. And you aren't getting the results. And it seems kind of empty. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. So one of the lessons he is teaching the disciples is to be able to abide in him as a living Lord, in a living faith. And in our darkness, Christ does come in. 
In our darkness comes the light of the risen Christ. Verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. So after all this doubt, after all this frustration, dawn comes. Jesus comes into a dark world and provides the light, the hope, the direction for those who are tired. See, the disciples were ready to call it quits again, weren't they? Even at fishing, they were ready just to call it quits. And here's the lesson on this one. When they were ready to call it quits, when they had exhausted their own strength, they were finally ready to hear the word of the Lord. And that's often how it works in our lives. When we finally give up on our own effort and listen to the word of God, then we hear what is necessary to do. Now, I like how our translation has it. It says, children, children, do you have any fish? Now, if you were from England, it would be lads. So there you go. It'd be lads. But if you and I, it's in, the, in our language here, it would be, hey, guys, are the fish biting? But it's more than that. It's more of a statement of, hey, guys, you haven't caught anything yet, have you? There's actually that manner. In essence, are you ready to listen again? Now, this story of catching fish, by the way, there's an, another example of that in Luke. Different story, but in Luke... If there was a night of failure, Jesus was in the boat, instructed them in the boat. There's no exact number of fish that were caught, and the net was torn. But now here in the Gospel of John, it followed a night of failure, so there's a direct correlation there. Instead of Jesus being in the boat, he's now on the shore. And rather than an unnumbered amount of fish, there are 153, and now the net did not break. Yeah, isn't that kind of funny? 153 fish. So in this case, I don't want to put too many uh, correspondence between the two stories. There's some similarities and differences. I just want to say, don't put, a, don't put a lot of weight on how many fish were caught. I've read a number of commentaries where they really try to figure out, well, why did it say 153 fish? And some people do all sorts of math equations to try to make it work out. Somebody has said, oh, this is about the number of races within, you know, nations within the world. Here's my version of it. I bet one of the disciples said, man, that's a lot of fish. The other said, yeah, I bet there's 100. I said, no, I bet there's 150. Oh, yeah, let's count it. I th you know what? Quite frankly, I think it might have been just something like that. But the main point is this. The main point of this story is that they were obedient to Jesus. They listened to his voice. They listened to his voice. They put the net on the other side. Rather than our own efforts, right? Rather than our own efforts, they actually listened to the command of Christ and there were different results. So here's the question for you this morning. What has God revealed to you through his word 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you should be doing. Are you ready to put your net on the other side? Now, I worded this very carefully. What has God revealed to you through his word? Not apart from his word, but through his word. What is revealed to you through his word by the power of the Holy Spirit that you should be doing? Lord, now what? What should I be doing? And has God told you in Christ Jesus, put your net on the other side? Cast your net on the other side. You see, when you're abiding in his will and his word, you can stop resisting his way. You can start doing it his way, not your own. So, into our darkness comes the light of a risen Lord, and we recognize and rejoice in him as our living Lord. Verse 7, the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came to the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. So here's the situation right there in the boat. Jesus called them. They catch the fish. Who realized it was the Lord first? It was John. John realized it was the Lord. John seems to be a little faster than Peter on the uptake. John, as a matter of fact, ran to the tomb first and beat Peter. We even have that. He won, right? It was a race to the tomb. John won. But did you notice what happened at the tomb? John didn't go in, did he? Even though he has the recognition, the insight, he seems to stop a little bit. But Peter, not necessarily of great insight, is a man of action. He goes into the tomb before John. Here, what does he do? He jumps into the water. Now think about this. There's an interesting parallel here. The night before Jesus went to his death, what did Jesus do to Peter? He said, I need to wash you. I need to wash your feet. And what did Peter say? No, you'll never wash my feet. But Jesus says, I need to. So Peter says, wash all of me. And now what does happen here? In faith, he jumps into the water. I find a parallel where he is washed clean. He literally jumps in, in faith. And I think that's good for us to look, jumping in, in faith. You see, there's a couple different strategies have, people have with their faith and jumping in. Some people sit at the water's edge. And they kind of go, that's nice water. You going to go in? No, I don't think so. I'm just going to look at the water from here. It's fine. Some people will actually then 
You know, you've seen people, and you've probably done this. Let's go swimming. Dip your toe in first. Check how the water's doing. And then some people kind of go, okay, and they're rowing the water, and they're like this. Do you ever stand in the water like this? The water is going higher and higher. It's like, whoa, it's cold. I don't know if I want to go in. And some people say, no, you just got to jump in. The water's fine. The water's fine. And once you finally jump in, there's that little splash, that kind of like, whoa, little shock. And then you kind of go, it's fine. I wish I'd done this sooner. Peter jumps in full force because he's heard the word of the Lord. He has heard Jesus and recognized him and calls him. Are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to jump in? Where are you on this spectrum here? Now, Peter and the others, they reach the shore. And by the way, there's two miracles happen. One, there's no mention of fish, but there's a charcoal fire that Jesus had made. A charcoal fire takes time to make. It doesn't just happen immediately. So all of a sudden, he's there, and then there is a charcoal fire. And he says, come and have breakfast. And it's interesting to the response the disciples had. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples that he was raised from the dead. Again, this is part of the journey of faith. They had been with Jesus. They saw the miracles. Now they saw that he'd been raised from the dead. Now there'd been the miracle of the fish, the 153 fish. And yet there's still that hesitancy of really acknowledging him. So where are you in that acknowledgement of him? Is there still some of that hesitancy? Or simply this, have you embraced Jesus as your living Lord and Savior? That's the journey, right? This is the journey all of us go on here. It is a journey of darkness into the light of Christ, finally knowing him as a living Lord and Savior. Because I have to tell you, if Jesus is your living Lord and Savior, that whole phrase that I talked about at the very beginning, if Jesus can rise from the dead, you can rise from bed, that would not be in the churches today. That wouldn't even be a joke. Because we would say, that's Jesus. And he's my Lord and Savior. So this morning on your journey, now what is a call to action? I don't know exactly what the call to action is for you, but there is a call to action for you. And my question is, will you heed that call? Through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, what are you called to do? Now what? This is the journey of faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. 
If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.